From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where we hear from politicians and experts on the issues of the day. The government is still waiting for the judgment of public opinion on its budget, which was designed to lift the political spirits of disgruntled voters. It's been Treasurer Josh Frydenberg's fourth budget and could be his last if the election goes badly for the coalition. Meanwhile, Frydenberg is having to keep an eye on his Victorian seat of Kuyong, where he's being targeted by one of the Teal candidates who are standing in Liberal heartland seats. In an earlier podcast, we talked with Shadow Treasurer Jim Chalmers. Today, Josh Frydenberg is our guest. Josh Frydenberg, thank you for talking with us today. My pleasure, Michelle. Now, in the budget, you've not renewed the tax offset for low and middle income earners beyond this financial year. And this would seem to mean a tax increase for these people. And yet you've contested that. Can you explain in simple terms how it means anything else? Well, the low and middle income tax offset was a temporary measure, which was um, continued in the previous budgets as a fiscal stimulus at a time when the economy uh, was under huge pressure with COVID. Um, Now that the economy is normalising, that lower middle income tax offset is being removed, although we have added $420 to the existing lower middle income tax offset that is accessible by people from the 1st of July this year. So they will be able to get $1,500 in their pay packet uh, if they earn 50, 60, 70, 80 or $90,000. With respect to broader tax reform, we have legislated and are implementing a three-stage process. First two stages have been implemented. The third comes in in 24-25. It already sees people paying lower taxes today than when we came to government. But by the time the third stage is implemented, you will see 95% of taxpayers pay a marginal rate of no more than 30 cents in the dollar, with one big tax bracket between $45,000 and $200,000 and the abolition of the 37 cents in the dollar tax bracket. But still, for many of these people, at least in the interim, won't their tax be higher next financial year than it would have been if you'd renewed that offset? It's a temporary measure. So remember during the Rudd years when they announced $900 checks that went out Mm. through the GFC, and the fact that they didn't continue with those checks didn't mean that everyone was $900 worse off in every successive year. It was simply a Um, an announcement at the time reflecting the economic conditions at the time and that's what the Lomito extension has been. Now the budget forecasts that wages will grow by a small amount more than the inflation rate in the coming financial year but firstly the uh, forecasts by Treasury on wages have been out previously but even taking the figure this is still going to leave many people struggling with the cost of living especially when the temporary help washes through. Well the first thing is to say is that last year when I delivered the budget and I forecast wages growth it ended up becoming half a percentage point higher than what I'd originally forecast. Um, 
We have seen the wages for, um, forecasts upgraded in each year in this budget. Um, we tr see Treasury have, have uh, forecast that inflation will lift this year to four and a quarter percent and then start to come down to three percent next year and moderate even further after that. The measures we put in the budget are temporary and targeted, like the um, halving of the fuel excise for six months, like the $250 and $420, um, the $420 offset and the $250 payment, but also what we've done around medicines to make them more affordable, people needing less scripts before they're, if they're a concession card holder, before they get it for free, and if they're a non-concessional card holder, before they get it at a concession rate. Um, so those measures build on what we did on childcare in last year's budget, what we're doing on electricity, driving down those costs by up to 10%, um, and what we'll continue to do to provide further tax relief. Why do you think it is that wages are so sluggish and for such a long time, given that we've got a very tight labour market and virtually no immigration? Well, again, um, we're in a period of historically low unemployment. Equal lowest in 48 years today at 4%. Female unemployment, lowest level since 1974. And uh, the unemployment rate to have a three in front of it for the first time in 50 years by September. Um, but that these, would put pressure on wages. And that's what I think, that is what we think is going to happen. Uh, upward pressure on wages. The other point to make is there's a broader um, indicator of earnings across the economy, which is called AENA, which has been higher than where the wages price index is. And that was up 3.3% when I announced national accounts in, in December of last year. And it's expected to get to 5% um, this year, which is above where inflation is at. That's a broader um, earnings indicator which takes into account um, bonuses, promotions, people moving jobs and the like. Much of the price growth that we've got at the moment in uh, fuel prices, uh, even food prices, is because of what's happening in Europe and it should be temporary. In your view, should the Reserve Bank look through that growth and not push up interest rates in response? Should it wait and see clear evidence of wages chasing prices? Well, again, decisions around interest rates are matters for the Reserve Bank and their independent board. So I'm not going to speculate upon that other than to say Phil Lowe as the governor has been very clear that he wants to see inflation sustainably within the band and he wants to see higher wages growth before he moves um, uh, with respect to interest rates. Now, the government tried a bit of labour market reform this term, but it didn't achieve much for a variety Locked of... Locked by our political opponents, yes. ...reasons. Is that an issue that's still on the agenda? Do we need reform of the enterprise bargaining system and will you tackle that next term again? Well, as you know, we, we, we tried hard, um, but the Senate, as it is, um, saw fit, you know, to to prevent that legislation in its full form getting through, but we did make other changes. Um, having flexible labour markets is in the interest of workers because it helps create more jobs. And 
that is important, just like lower taxes helps create more jobs. More infrastructure spending helps to create more jobs. Um, and that, so that is, we'll continue to see industrial relations as an area of important economic reform, but we'll continue to work through our policies. But you will try again to get more flexibility? Well, uh, in terms of specific measures, um, yeah, we'll have more to say, um, uh, no doubt, in, in, in due course. But In the campaign? Well, again, um, we 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 are, we look for reasonable. We look, for, you know, the test has got to be what's reasonable, what's going to lead for for to to, to productivity gains. I'm just talking in broad terms. Do you yeah, see this still on the well, agenda? I, well, I see more flexible labour markets as being important. Um, the act, the the specifics of the various measures is something we'll continue to to, to work through. There is not much talk uh, from the government about economic reform to come. What areas would you think are important to be tackled in the future? And you mentioned tax. Now, I know you will say you've done a lot on tax, but is this an area where the system still needs to be looked at? Well, firstly, your question implies that there hasn't been significant reform, which is not correct. The changes we made to competition law around the digital platforms was world leading where now the Facebooks and the Googles are paying um, news media companies who generate original content. That is first in the world type stuff. Um, What we've done with the states on mutual recognition so that a worker in Melbourne can go and work in another state without having to get another license or pay another fee um, or take another test uh, is very significant and will generate real gains for the economy and that's the mutual um, uh, recognition occupational licensing regime. What we did around insolvency is really important to allow companies to trade out through some of their difficulties rather than being wound up if their fundamental business is is good. What we've done around foreign investment with the biggest changes to that legislative framework in nearly 50 years, putting in place a strong national security test has been really important. What we did on superannuation, you know, having the stapling of accounts so that people's um, savings don't get eaten away by superannuation fees because they have multiple accounts. What we've done to create transparency and accountability in the super system so that um, underperforming funds get held to account and that their members know that they're underperforming and that people can go and compare the both the returns and the fees of, of their funds with others um, and doing that online. These are all very significant reforms, many of which, most of which, the Labor Party opposed us. Um, in the budget, we allocated more than three and a half billion dollars for skills reform. I think this is a really big area of reform going forward, Michelle, because this is about seeing the National Skills Commission playing a key role, identifying what is an efficient price for a for a course, ensuring that there's some consistency across. Um, states um, and in and ensuring that we actually are producing through our vocational training system the skills that employers need 
and having that sort of link is really important. And just to cover off on tax, is the more that needs to be done on tax? Well, we have lift, reduced small business taxes to their lowest level in 50 years. We've legislated substantial tax reform, which is going to abolish a whole tax bracket. I brought in immediate expensing, which allowed businesses to write off in year one um, new purchases, which is supercharged investment during the crisis, the loss carry back measure. And in the budget, um, Michelle, I extended the patent box um, to both um, ag tech and also lower emissions technologies, having already announced it in last year's budget that it would apply to medical and biotech areas. Now, that's a concessional tax rate of 17 cents in the dollar. And that's really going to encourage innovation and new patents and commercialization. But of course, you weren't able a few years ago to complete your company tax agenda. We didn't, and, and, and that's not on the agenda now. I just wanted to turn to your seat of Kuyong, where you face a, a challenge from one of the Teal candidates. Some voters there will want to know your view on issues that are important to them. So let me ask you about one of those in particular. On the question of an integrity commission, do you think that's an important reform? Will the government be committed to that in the coming term? And are you personally willing to use your authority to fight for that? Well, we've got a stated position on that, Michelle. We've, you know, if if the Labor Party was willing to support our model, then it would become a reality. And um, and so uh, they've tried to, you know, they've tried to um, to, to manufacture. Um, some political gain out of this, we've got a model ready to go. And that model is is your election policy model? It remains the, the government's model. And it will pursue that model in the next term? Well, but you need to be able to have a, a partner on the other side to, to see it become a reality. Now, just finally, on the, the teal threat, I know that you argue these candidates are Labor wolves in sheep's clothing or some such. Will you, though, be campaigning in some of those seats where other uh, MPs face teal candidates, I'll such as for Dave Sharma, Trent Zimmerman? I will give as much support as I can to, to, to my colleagues um, who face those opponents. Um, these so-called independents are by and large former Labor Party members, like the one in my electorate, who sought to hide Briefly, that. I think, wasn't she? Well, she says three years. That's not... It's years. That's not briefly. Um, and then has been proven to have been promoting... <laughs> Um, you know, Labor Party on social media since, um, in, 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 a, in a period since, um, and, you know, said that she was a political clean skin with no political background effectively, and that is obviously very different to the reality. People like Allegra Spender, though, have very so, liberal credentials. I'm talking about my political opponent, and there are other Labor me former Labor members who've signed up to be so-called independents. So they're former Labor members in a number of cases. They're running on a Labor Party platform. They have the support of the Labor Party in that the Labor Party is running dead in those seats. And they're running essentially only against Liberals. So that's the, that's the, uh, that's the equation. 
and you draw your conclusion. Um, they're much, they're effectively, um, yeah, campaigning for the Labor Party and the Greens, and that is how you know they they would act if 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 they were given half the chance. Josh Frydenberg, thank you for talking with us today. My pleasure. And that's uh, the second of our budget podcasts with the uh, the main players. Thank you to my producer, Ellen Duffy. We'll be back with another interview soon. Goodbye for now, though. Our theme music is by Lee Rosevier. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com. <laughs>